The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. And welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games to play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Viserion and Regal of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who would never fail in a mission beyond the wall. Josh, how are you doing this week? Doing great. Which am I the dragon who just died on the last episode again? See, I was trying really hard. Well, not the last episode, but I was trying really hard not to try- spoil anything. <laughs> I'm trying to make people think that's I know. Happened I know. On the last episode. I know. So, <laughs> man, that last episode of Game of Thrones. We'll talk about that some other time. Yeah, the, uh, the dragon died. It was crazy. <laughs> you're, the, you're the worst. Seriously. Oh man. And while Viserion and Rhaegal are some pretty intimidating dragons in and of themselves. The pride of the trio is, of course, Drogon. And this week, the person adding that extra level of intimidation to our podcast is none other than James Lang, creator creator of the recently launched Kickstarter Vorpal Board. James, welcome to the show, good sir. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. So are you a Game of Thrones fan? I am, you know, and I'm embarrassed because I was actually talking to my wife uh, yesterday. I was yelling at the screen while I was watching the last episode because I thought Rickon was still alive. I had (laughs) forgotten. (laughs) And I was so mad because they were all seeming to just sort of like never talk about what happened to him. Uh I was like, he's still alive. Where is he? And then somebody was like, dude, that scene at the Battle of the Bastards, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I, it was a very embarrassing moment for me today. So, yeah, I'm a fan. I swear. <laughs> Don't be embarrassed. It is impossible to keep track of most characters on that show. Yeah, <laughs> there's like three characters on that show. I don't know what the problem is. Currently, after last episode, yeah. <laughs> You're the worst. All right. So I promise we're not going to tr- spoil any more Game of Thrones, but maybe we'll talk about it after the podcast really briefly. Uh, but James, if our listeners don't know who you are, why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction? Who are you? Why are you here? All of those wonderful things. So I am here because I've, um, together with um, a couple other uh, co-founders, I've built a platform called Vorpal Board. And what it is, is a tool that lets you play tabletop games online using the actual pieces. So we do board streaming and card scanning, and then a whole web application to kind of manage everything to let you kind of blend the physical and the virtual so that you can play games with friends kind of wherever they are in the world. Um, And I'm here today to chat about it because we're currently running a Kickstarter for the platform. So this thing, dear listener, if you have not looked at the Kickstarter for Vorpal Board yet, number one, pause the podcast, go (laughs) do that. And then once your mind is blown, come back and listen to the podcast to get all the questions that you will inevitably have answered. Because my goodness, the first time I saw this thing, I was thought that we were in some sci-fi future thing going on that I wasn't aware of. It's pretty amazing. How do you know we're not? I get, yeah, that's true. If I'm not aware, how would I know? 
Do you know William didn't have to ship you Human Punishment 2.0 all the way from uh, the other part of the world now because we could have just played it on Vorpal Board. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's very true. That's very true. But that is a conversation for a different time. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe maybe we'll play it with William. Anyway, we'll get back to that at some other point. Um, James has been gracious enough to deal with us for the entire episode this week. So as we go through news and all of those things, you're going to hear uh, the opinion of someone <laughs> far smarter than Josh and I. Not, yeah, even, no. not yeah. even Jamie Stegmaier could hold up a whole episode with us. <laughs> so yeah, you're this... hearing from the guy who forgot that Rickon is dead on, on, on <laughs> and equally uninformed opinions on every subject going forwards. So, right. Yeah. All right. So Vorpal Board obviously will be our topic of the show. But before we get to that, a little bit of housekeeping. Thanks so much for joining us this week. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the amazing things that Josh is posting over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. As mentioned at the top, we are a proud part of the PSVG podcast network and PSVG is on Patreon. We are really thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our podcast with someone else who you think might enjoy what we do. And we are also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games, and we have been very board game heavy lately, we'd like you, and you'd like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there is a podcast on the network for you. So enough of the housekeeping stuff. Josh, what has been some of the big news in the tabletop world? Man, there's a lot of news in the board game world. Uh, So let's just start from Mensa. So if you don't know what Mensa is, that's okay. Because, you know. It's for, no, I can't insult our listeners. I wouldn't be part of it. I'll just insult myself. Uh, They select winners every year for uh, um, the board game category. Uh, It's typically, I would say, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, meant to uh, stimulate the brain, if you will, as as what they would consider games for nomination. Does that sound fair? Yeah. I, I mean, it's, so it's a weird. I think it's weird because when I think Mensa and the games they often pick, they're not games I would associate with Mensa, but they usually pick really good games. Yes. Okay. Well, let's go over what they picked. Well, let's go over the winners. So the winners, uh, the winning games for 2018 um, are uh, Azul, which I mean, if you're a board game play, those aren't the winners. Am I reading it wrong? I'm going to I'm going to stop you right there. And now this is where you're getting in trouble for not reading the show notes ahead of time, good sir. If you'll, notice, win. if you'll notice, the Dice Tower story, for whatever reason, is covering the 2018 winners, but they uh, announced Kyle, the 2019 well, winners. I was thinking out there for a second. I was thinking like, uh-oh, did I get an advance, <laughs> an advance copy of Azul a long time ago before it came out? Or, or is time slipping for me? You know. Hey, let's go over the winners from last year. How does that sound fun? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well... At least James, you're on for my. This is the first time that's ever happened to me, so <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> uh, so, the the nominees or the winners. What am I looking at? Here? The winners. The winners for 2019. Okay, so 
we're going to start off with the wildly popular Architects of the West Kingdom, uh, which has been crushing it uh, by Renegade Game Studios. Uh, oh, and I knew this because I looked at this and I'm like, I want all these games. Uh, Gizmos by, that's uh, Come On, I guess now. I've been pronouncing it wrong forever. They they issued a statement saying it's called Come On, not Simon. Really? Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, I know. See, I bring something <laughs> to the conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's called, and, and I didn't think much of it until Tom Vassell started. Now he just calls it Come On when he's talking about their games now. So uh, it's been catching me off guard every time he says it. So I mean, yeah, well, we can well, stick to Simon. <laughs> when I was at PAX Unplugged, I was like nervous talking to anyone there because I was like, I don't know what to refer to this company as and I don't want to say it in front of them. Like, because I always thought of it just as cool mini or not. And I knew yeah. that they kind of got away from that at some point. But then I just didn't know how to pronounce it. So I would have thought it was Simon. It seemed like everybody said Simon. I don't know. Yeah, we've said Simon forever. Maybe, yeah, maybe they just thought it hit too close to home to something else. So they were like, let's do, come on. <laughs> so we got, oh, they both sound bad. Uh, Gunkamono, I probably said that wrong, by Renegade Game Studios. Planet, which is a game I've been dying to get my hands on. That's by Blue Orange Games. Uh, you'd know them from um, Photosynthesis. And uh, Victoria Masterminds, which is... Another wildly popular game by Come On Inc. So those are the winners for 2019. Uh, I would actually say, I don't know of, about Kyle, but have either of you guys played Architects of the West Kingdom? Nope. I haven't played it either, and it's very intimidating for me to even look at it while it's being played. It's There's so much stuff going on. I don't know. It, it seems like one that would be a little bit tough to get your head around. I saw today um, Game the Game, uh, Becca Scott Show released the how to play for architects of the West kingdom today. Um, but it very much reminds me of stone age, uh, as far as uh, resource management, people moving worker placement, all that kind of stuff like that. I don't want to say entry level, but like as welcome, like welcoming to newer gamers level, like stone age or stylistically. Okay. Stylistically. Uh, yes, but I think more easy, like, Everdell would be the more complicated version of it, I would guess. Oh, all right. Um, only because Everdell adds, you know, different elements to worker placement, where this looks like a you move, you get your resources, you can move two people to one spot to get double those resources, etc. Um, I, I only watched a little bit of the beginning though, so I could be crazy far off from what it really is. Uh, but that is the Josh messing up the Mensa story. Uh, how about that? <laughs> the like next pretty, story. I was going to say, or really briefly, it seems like a pretty solid list of games. Would you both agree? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I've been fascinated, just like you, Josh, by that by that Planet game. Yeah. Like, I, I've never seen it played in person, but I just like keep seeing people posting photos on Twitter, and it just looks awesome. And it's like, I want to touch those hex things or whatever you'd call them. Uh, I'm sure there's a geometric name for them that I don't know, but uh, you know, you you actually have a physical kind of octahedron or whatever they're called. um, And you're placing things on it, which just seems like really kind of a neat thing to do. Yeah. There was like one unicorn version of it at PAX Unplugged and I couldn't get my hands on it. I kept looking in the early access area 
and I just I just never found it. But I heard you could hear tales of people playing it <laughs> during the show, and I didn't know where it was. Uh, all right, so our next story is uh, above board television show call for audience members. So this is right from Dice Tower News. Um, apparently, it's already been previously reported, but. Uh, this is created by uh, Travis Oates. I'm not familiar with the man, but uh, it's a show that will combine intelligent journalistic humor, uh, like Daily Show or Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, uh, with sketch comedy and features all inside jokes and strange personalities that make our industry so special. So I don't know about you guys. This is like the... One of the craziest things I think I've ever seen <laughs> for board gaming ever. <laughs> so uh, they're filming this show uh, about board game CCGs, tabletop role playing. They're doing six episodes over the course of three days. Tom Vassell's going to be there to do a top 10 or two. So <laughs> that's uh, very ambitious. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I guess Above Board is a hobby shop from from what I'm gathering from this. And if Tom Vassell's there, uh, I don't see where it is, but I'm going to guess it's in Florida. Kyle, what do you think? Do you have I think it's info? in, I think it's in L.A. In L.A. Okay. Yeah, I believe it's in L.A. Well, that's a big move for Tom. Well, I think he's just going to. I think he's just going to show up for an episode uh, or two. I don't think um, he's moving. I don't think there. he's literally moving. <laughs> Just picking up his life for a six for a six episode <laughs> series of television. I'm, I'm moving across the country. I, this just seems really interesting because we, so when it what's this going to be on? Well, listen to this. This is in bold at the bottom. He call they have a number to call, and then it says in bold, "Tell us the name of your favorite friendly local game store when you call, and we'll bring a film crew and do a feature on the one we hear about the most from you." So. Do I have to get a, like a grassroots movement for my local area to just spam this number? <laughs> like, <laughs> come take a picture of my store and do an interview. Like that's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's exactly kind of a, an interesting combination of stuff that they say is going to be on it too. Kind of ske- sketch comedy plus some kind of you know last week tonight news style stuff. I mean. I don't know. You guys are board game people and I'm like a board game person. So like my, my, like what I'd like to see on a board game TV show would be deep dives into designs or maybe I've yeah. always thought it would be cool to have like a design contest. Like, um, you know, there, there we have cooking shows and dressmaking shows and like all those sort of things that are really fun to watch. Like I think game design show would be a cool thing to watch where you have challenges you got to do or whatever. Hey, you got to make a worker placement game in two hours, you know, and then, yeah. then they play them. I think that would be a neat concept. That would be cool. If it's a sketch show, I mean, we're going to see six episodes of what Monopoly table flips and uh, wood for sheep jokes. Like, is that what we're in for? Because I don't know how they're going to add sketch comedy into that. <laughs> I I still I'm just wondering, like, where is this going? Like, what is this showing on? Because they're like, hey, we're making this TV show for who? Um, it- you know what? I'm sure it's going to be on some streaming service we have to subscribe to, like YouTube Red. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Kyle. I mean, it's just kind of a crazy story, but I mean... I'm excited to see what happens with it. Sure. We'll keep following it. And uh, I guess uh, if anyone listens to our show that's in this California area, 
I'll tweet this so you can go beyond it and say I'm bored with the video game sent you. <laughs> uh, and then we'll get what like ten more viewers, ten more listeners. <laughs> uh, so we have news that came out today. Yeah, I don't this know. This will that be a good one. A ton. Of, I don't. Yeah, go for it. I'm interested. We, I mean, we could just give the headline and not say anything about it. Well, I don't know how much we can say about it, but it's drama can come from it. So, uh, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of, it's interesting. All right, so indie game studios uh, slash strong. Isn't it? It's indie uh, board and cards that merged, oh, with strong, right? I think so. Yeah, but I think that's. Bleh. Is yeah, that their don't, corporate corporation name? Maybe anyway. Yeah, their their corporation name is Indie Game Studios. They merged with um, Stronghold uh, early this year or late last year. Um, uh, but they're suing Plan B Games over uh, Great Western Trail, which is very interesting. I, you know, I'm not going to get... There's a lot of legal jargon in this uh, post. Uh, if you're curious about it, it's on Board Game Geek News. But, I mean, what do you guys think about Board Game companies suing each other and and i don't think that we see this very often i mean the old joke was right that the people who sued folks was wizards of the coast over magic stuff right yeah like that was the the people who were quote unquote sue happy and you know their watsi's understanding or what they'd always say is like well we have an obligation to defend our ip and if we don't defend our ip then we run into issues of uh, our ability to claim ownership over it or our ability to defend it in the future. So we have to aggressively defend it in order to be able to defend it at all, basically. It was kind of always their reasoning and rationale behind why they did what they did. What's interesting in this case is it's... I. This is what this is a situation where when I read the information, I understand I have no idea how board game publishing works. I just don't understand it. I don't right. get it at all. So that's my takeaway from this in reading the information that's provided. I don't understand how board game publishing works. It doesn't make sense to me. I think the general summary, just to kind of just go over it real quick, is that Stronghold had the license to print this game up until a certain date, which was sometime in 2018. Plan B was going to get the rights to the game after Stronghold was up, but they supposedly... uh, started printing and releasing it before they got the rights to the game. Well, I believe. Th- so Eggert Spiel published the game in Europe. Yeah. Who then they were the original publishers. So then Stronghold entered into an agreement with them to publish the English language version of it. But then plan B purchased Eggert Spiel. Okay. Okay. So it was like a weird right. plan B is like, Oh, we never uh, made this agreement with you. It was a pre-existing thing and all this other stuff. But the thing that's interesting is they're not suing for breach of contract. They're suing over trademark saying that since they put out great Western trail with the box art and everything that people have known it to be, that that is essentially their trademark that they put the money into it, that they put the goodwill into it, the marketing behind it, so that when Eggert Spiel released their, or Plan B under Eggert Spiel, released their version in the United States, that they had already, Stronghold had done all of the work to for the goodwill and the marketing, and that basically now Eggert Spiel slash Plan B was just profiting and, and marketing, getting the goodwill off of the work that they had done. So it's okay. not over a con, it's not, they're not 
claiming breach of contract. It's a trademark issue, which I think is absolutely fascinating. James, you're way smarter than I am. Does this? Can you make sense of this? Absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, like it, 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 it just seems like weird legal stuff that happens when mergers and acquisitions happen. Like, it seems like this kind of stuff happens in video games too, where like you hear stories of just like if anybody looks into like the who owns the rights of a video game. You just like go down a hole and you can never figure it out. And so they're like, well, I guess we're just never going to publish it again because nobody knows who owns it. And like, I don't know how it works in board games, but obviously somebody took the wrong logo off of a box. It seems like, you know, like uh, and then, you know, probably both companies are unfortunately going to have to just like pay tons of legal fees to like figure it out, um, which is the unfortunate part. Yeah. So. I think this will be a really interesting story to follow for a while because I'm very interested to see how this ends up and like what the rationale is because the interesting things about it, like you can go read the entire, um, the, what was filed in the Indiana intellectual and in Indiana court, but the, like the original agreement between Eggert Spiel and Stronghold isn't part of that. So you don't know, oh, well, what did the contract say? Did it say that if Eggert Spiel like, was purchased, that things transferred or didn't transfer? How did all of that work? And yeah, it's just very, very interesting. It certainly is. Or at least you make it sound interesting. Let's move <laughs> on to something that I guarantee you is more interesting. Uh, so uh, our friends over at Plat Hat Games uh, announced Battlelands. Uh, set in the world of Aftermath. So that those are two things we have not heard from Plat Hat Games before. And we had to look up what After... Well, I looked up what Aftermath was because people were asking us. Uh, apparently is a new world that they are creating um, led by Cherry Hawthorne and um, Andrea Mezzotero, uh, who did Crystal Clans and Jerry did Mice and Mystics. Um, so it sounds like Aftermath is this land that is um, far post-human world. So it's, it's post-apocalypse and well, present apocalypse. Um, it will be an adventure book game like Mice and Mystics, but we pretty much don't know anything else about the game um, that, except it's a fast and furious card game for three to five players. So uh, what do you guys think? I mean, the art is very stylized i would say it fits in with the stuffed fables art more than the mice and mystics um but i don't know do you, does jerry hawthorne do anything for you guys does mice and mystics theming what do you guys think about this i haven't played mice and mystics i've only watched video of it before um but it definitely seems like it's something that i would be into the one thing that surprised me the most about this, and I, you guys probably know this better than me, but like, this seemed like kind of a quick turnaround for like a, a, a notification of a release, and then like when it would actually be available to buy, right? Like, it, it's available like this summer, yeah, right? Yeah. Which, which um, to me seemed fast, you know, because like I, it always seems like the announcements kind of then have like a pretty long, okay, yeah, you'll be able to get it in like eight or nine months or something, um, especially if it's going to be a Kickstarter. This obviously isn't a Kickstarter, but. Um, but it's cool that the turnaround is how many months is that, you know, for four yeah, months, three, yeah, four three, months. three and three and three and change, which is neat. Um, the, the thing that was interesting to me is like, I saw the art and I was like, oh man, my, my brain immediately went to like, this could be some really cool looking minis. Uh, but then yeah. it, 
but then it said a Fast and Furious card game. So like, I'm curious to see what it looks like. Yeah, I should clarify. Uh, the Avenger book game was is for Aftermath, not for this game. So it's set in this Avenger book game world that we haven't seen yet. But this is a card game version that exists in that future game. Right. Uh, yeah, I I feel... Yeah. Plat hat. You like animals. You I like... do like animals a lot. I like animals a lot. And Plat Hat, as you know, I mean, friends of the show, some of our favorite games just in general, we really enjoy the stuff that they do. I, I, I could be wrong. I wonder, and I know that studios get into their lane, right? Like their studios publish certain types of games that they become known for. Okay. I feel like Plaid Hat has a lot of recruit fighters with cards fight each other games yes and i feel like and this one might be great too because all of them are good it's not like any of them aren't good games i just want it just seems like this is maybe another one and maybe this will do some really different things than the previous ones have done and like i said you know no matter what of those games you talk about they're all very very quality uh, and i like jerry hawthorne a lot as a designer so i'm interested in it for sure this just seems like we're now we're having another you know battle card game type thing and we're still waiting on that fighter game coming out too Yep, exactly i think this it's may i think yeah yes okay so following with plat hat games uh, this is this was an unfortunate coincidence as i was um emailing colin flores the, the creator of guardians game uh to come back on the show uh, and talk about the new Guardians expansion coming out. And minutes after I emailed him, uh, Plat Hat issued a statement saying that the Guardians expansion is, as of now, canceled, um, which is very unfortunate. And, you know, Colin got back to me. You know, he still wants to come back on because uh, he also does regular PR for Plat Hat games, but you know, mm-hmm. this was his baby. This was a game that we really enjoy. Um, so I'm just gonna go ahead and say what the community is saying as I'm a member of like the Guardians Online Facebook page. There's not a lot of reviews for Guardians on Board Game Geek. Um, there's not a lot of word about the game, uh, which could be attributed to this. Um and sometimes this happens with games. Uh but I think the great thing about board games is if people start playing this game more or if the word gets out, this game isn't dead. It just means that this expansion was shelved. The art's done. They already did the work on the characters. It just means that they're not ready to publish this yet. So I would say um, to our listeners who listen to Colin's been on twice, um, to listen to us talk about Guardians, we gave a copy of Guardians away. We both own Guardians. If you like Guardians, um, jump on Board Game Geek and give it a review so that other people can see that your review is up there. Awesome. James, have you played, James, have you played Guardians? Or are you aware of Guardians at all? I haven't played it, but now now that I'm now that I'm hearing this, I'm going to have to. Um, yeah. But what, it, what kind of game are we talking about here? Here's the here's the easy answer. Okay, you play video games. Do you, have, yeah. do you play or do you enjoy Overwatch? Yeah, yeah, like a, like, a, like a hero shooter kind of stuff. Yeah, do you okay. want to play Overwatch as a card game? In sure. Smash yeah. Up Universe. With, yeah, I'd <laughs> try that. Yeah. yeah. It's basically if you took Smash Up and made it kind of based off of Overwatch, Okay. that is what Guardians is. Okay, cool. 
Yeah, and I I'm, I'm looking at some screenshots of or screenshots fo- photos yeah. of it. <laughs> <laughs> wrong terminology. Um, board shots. Uh, and and the art style is is super slick. So that's cool. Yeah, each character has its own unique uh, abilities. You're fighting over control of uh, zones, if you will. Yeah. And uh, they, you know, one of the cool things is they all have uh, ultimate ability that you use once a game. And some of these new characters would have would have added uh, ways to use your ultimate more than once, which I was looking forward to checking out. But yeah, I mean, it's a bummer, but it happens. I'm sure that that's not going to deter Colin from working on a new game and being awesome. So uh, we're going to send some love Colin's way because we think he deserves it. Uh, meanwhile, moving on from the sad news to, well, <laughs> Fantasy Flight has announced another expansion for Star Wars Destiny. Uh, I would say I am in the Star Wars Destiny collector group more than the playing group, if that makes any sense to anybody. Keyboard uh, just taking all your time. Keyforge is just eating up my time, but um, this is another ex, uh, another exciting set. They keep adding to the game. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into it. It's another new set. You know, if you've probably walked into your local game store and seen five or six different tall boxes of Destiny cards you could buy, um, it adds, uh, well, okay, here's the only thing I'm going to talk about. It adds Ewoks. <laughs> so, I mean, and they're diceless, so they're just cards you can have in your deck. Uh, have you guys played Destiny? Are you familiar with the game or the mechanisms at all? I have a starter set yeah, yeah. that I have <laughs> never played. <laughs> <laughs> and I stood by a table at Unplugged and watched some people play and that is the worst way to try to learn how anything is played. <laughs> yes. uh, so I saw very cool art and characters flying around. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to have to watch a video of this. So I was an Imperial Assault player more. That's okay. more my lane. Um, but I was intrigued by the idea of Destiny because I'm a I'm a big Star Wars fan. So Yes, I sent Kyle that star wars destiny set from pax unplugged the first one i know when my, my wife and i did the uh learn to play and i was like i already own one of these i'm gonna send it <laughs> out to kyle can't convince the partner to get it to the table it's Maybe okay let's, let's talk about a game you're excited about that you also won't be able to play with your wife <laughs> no she'll i'll maybe be able to talk her into this one hey, yeah okay we'll we'll talk about that uh simon <laughs> or come on has announced god of war the card game and boy is kyle excited i i didn't really want to do that but you made me do it because he put boy in all caps uh we don't know much about it um we know as you progress uh, you'll have quests that will affect what comes after each quest um at certain points along the path players must choose um, between quests to complete, so it sounds quest-heavy, uh, completing one might grant a bonus, but quests left untouched result in dire permanent consequences as the player moves forward. It sounds terrible, like not in a bad way, but I mean like, <laughs> you're like, okay, I have to choose between two quests. I choose this one, but I know this other one is going to have dire consequences for me <laughs> at some point later in the game. <laughs> Uh, Kyle, what are you? Tell me what you're thinking. You probably read more on this than I did. 
I'll, all I read was the come on press release on it. And I'm in. I'm totally in. I think it's. it sounds like it's cooperative, which is the reason I think I'll be able to get to the table. So yeah, someone plays the boy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm excited for this. I am very happy to see Sony reaching out and making board games versions of their more popular properties. Obviously, Horizon Zero Dawn had the Kickstarter that even though Josh and I both loved the game, we couldn't stomach the price, so we did not back. But this is, you know, I'm excited to see this. Obviously, we're going to be talking about Bloodborne in a second, which, you know, is published by Sony, but made by From. But anyway, I'm really happy that they're doing this and kind of going down this line. So, yes, I am definitely in on this game and hopefully it will be good. James, did you play the new God of War? I have. I played it a little bit. I never completed it because it, once it opened up when you got to the lake, yeah. uh, I was like, my God, this is bigger than I thought it was. And I had to, I had to table it for a little bit. Um, but I enjoyed what I played. Um, you know, I wasn't a big early on God of War fan. I, I never had a PlayStation uh, console when I was younger. Um, well, not really that much younger, but you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, um, but I actually liked the new one. I thought it was really neat. Very cool. Well, we were big fans of it here. So we'll see, Kyle. Uh, I remain cautiously optimistic on this one. And speaking of cautiously optimistic, <laughs> a Bloodborne game uh, hits Kickstarter, well, the day we're recording, but two days ago, if you're listening to this. Of course, it's by Cool Mini or not, and I haven't looked at the price, but I'm going to guess it costs $1,000, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked at it either. Oh, good. This will be exciting. Let's I, check I'm gonna it check, out. I'm going to check right now. <laughs> I, I looked at how much it had made uh, right before we started recording, but I did not look at what the pledge tiers were. It well, was like $870,000, I think. Uh, of course it has. <laughs> wow. No, sometimes I can't even. I got it's it. Currently nine hundred and twenty-six thousand $926,000. So yeah. it's rolling. Oh, $90 for early bird, $100 for regular. But what about the full game? That's it. That's every. There's, those are the only two pledge <laughs> options. Yeah, $90 actually, yeah. or $100. $90 will not be an option by the time you listen to this podcast. So $100 is how much it will be. Well, I'll tell you what. It looks like, uh, if you look at the pictures, it reminds me of Descent, if you're familiar with the board game. Mm -hmm. uh, I can totally see that. Uh, it appeals to me on a board game uh look itself not on theme so i wouldn't say no to this game but not being a, f a player of bloodborne i can't say that i would drop 90 bucks on on the game but i would i would play it <laughs> Kinda, really I, nice. I mean you're you're more you've played bloodborne right i have yeah uh the minis are nice there's some really nice minis and you get a decent number of them for the price these days. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to get this game, but I will put it as a remind me and we will see what happens in 20 days or so when, Oh, 20 days to go. So yeah, in about 20 days, we'll see what I decide, but it looks good. I mean, Eric Lang, obviously, you know, helping design the man seems like he designs every, every game he designs seems to be pretty darn good. So if you like bloodborne and you're not certain uh, Eric Lang tends to do some good stuff. So, James, are you interested in Bloodborne, the board game? I am. I I was a Bloodborne player, and I've I've played some some Dark Souls in my time as well. And I checked out the the Dark Souls game when I was at Unplugged. Um, I think that's by Steamforge, maybe. Mm -hmm. I think uh, so, yeah. 
and like the the thing that I found I've kind of found hard is to make it have a game f- capture the feeling that I really like about those games, which is that very nervous exploration that like, hey, I could kind of die at any time. And like, oh, I'm in an area I've never seen before. Like maybe this is going to be really creepy and weird. Um, and I think that I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't get that particular feeling off the off the um the Dark Souls game. I enjoyed the time I spent with the Dark Souls game, um, but it, it didn't click for me as like really matching with the video game. So I'm curious to see what people say about about this one, because I really enjoy the gameplay of uh, of those games a lot. Awesome. OK, well, this will be a quick one last, but certainly not least, but definitely fitting for Nintendo. We have Catan coming to the Nintendo Switch on June 20th. Uh, we don't have any gameplay shots yet, no screenshots, no info really from Nintendo. Uh, however, this is the second or third game that is board game related that is hitting the Switch. We just had Carcassonne come out not too long ago, and maybe you can consider Civilization a uh, uh, hybrid between board games and video games. Uh, but... Uh, I don't know. I'll tell you guys first. For me, Catan is um, an all-time favorite. I know it gets some hate, kind of like people like to hate on Monopoly. They like to hate on Catan or Catan uh, as well. So I don't know, but the the thought of interact interacting with it on like the Switch or bringing it on the tablet somewhere, uh, maybe playing with like my dad who's never played it or kids at a like if i had an easter um things like that uh it's intriguing to me i think price point is going to be a big question i think uh um Sun came out at 30 dollars and i already owned it on the xbox 360 which carried over to my xbox one so um i didn't have a need to rebuy it except for that that switch you know you want these games on your switch it's portable board games. That's you know that's what you want. Um, I still think thirty dollars will be too high for me though. If it's twenty bucks, it's an easy buy for me. Um, so I'll ask you guys. Uh, well, James, do you have a Switch? And if you do, what's what's the price point that would get you to get Catan on it? I have one, and if it was if it was fifteen dollars, I'd buy it in a heartbeat. And and the thing I guess I'll say is I'm never gonna play that game by myself on the right. switch ever. I would play it in a pass and play on a plane. I would play it while I'm traveling in a car. Like absolutely. Yes. Um, so I, I think for that, for me personally, I don't do a lot of traveling. I, that would, that would, it would have to be cheaper. I think to get me to, to spring yeah. on it. Kyle, what do you think? I don't, mm, I don't know that I'm going, I don't know that I have the love for Catan, 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 Catan to buy it on switch. Almost at any price other than like five bucks. Okay, that, I just, that might happen. You never yeah, know. Yeah, I, I just, I really can't see myself play. When I'm sitting down to play my Switch, if I'm going to play a game like that, I probably well, I already do have it on my phone. Like, I, I just don't know that I would get it on the Switch. Uh, quick, very quick sidebar. Did we know that Istanbul was on the Switch? Oh yeah, that was the other one that just came out like two weeks ago. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it interested? possible that I read that that Splendor was coming to the Switch too? Is that? Yeah. Something I'm imagining? Yeah, Splendor, uh, Pandemic. Um, they announced like four cool. more games coming, but yeah, yeah. Um, Splendor was one of them. That would be fun to have on the Switch. Absolutely. But I have it on mobile. 
I know that's what makes it, it hard. Okay, I'm <laughs> I know that's why that's my my challenge there. So how many times do I want to buy the same game on different platforms? Yeah, because you're probably not gonna ever play it when you have it attached to your TV, right? right. So like at that point, yeah. having it on your mobile is essentially the same as having it on the Switch. So yeah. Right. When is my Dropmix app gonna come to the Switch? That's there. You like. go. That's where, an excellent question, actually. Hasbro on that. <laughs> so. All right. Well, that was a whole lot of board game news. So we're going to kind of fly through this video game news here because most of it's pretty short anyway. Uh, First thing, Sony slash Sony Santa Monica has announced that Raising Kratos, a documentary about the production of God of War, is going to be releasing soon on their YouTube channel. Now, this was announced in part with the one year anniversary of God of War, which came out a year ago on April 20th. And this is, you know, something they've done before to agree. They had grounded the making of The Last of Us was, you know, a full 90 minute documentary that PlayStation had on their YouTube channel. Um, I don't know if either of you had a chance to watch the trailer at all that they released for released for Raising Kratos. But do either of you have a desire to watch this? Is this a thing you're interested in? James, what are your thoughts? Good, sir. I think I would be interested in it. I actually, I check out on YouTube. Um, there's a YouTube channel uh, by, um, oh gosh, I'm going to, uh, Danny O'Dwyer uh, has a has a channel and he, he does just a lot of video game documentaries that do like making of stuff. And I find it really, really fascinating because modern video game creation is shockingly hard and complex, especially like a game like God of War. So I kind of geek out to that stuff. So I would be interested if they get kind of into the technical details if it's more just sort of like, I don't know, kind of like um, thematic more than technical, I might not be down with it. But if they get into technical stuff, I'd be really interested to watch it. Yeah. Danny, O'Dwyer, Danny O'Dwyer's No Clip stuff is no very, clip. very good. Gosh, I could not get that out of my brain. Thank you. <laughs> okay, no problem. Josh, your thoughts? Raising Kratos, you in, you out? Yeah, I'm so in. Uh, in fact, I want to make sure I watch the um, Horizon Zero Dawn and then the For Honor one first so I can get those keep like i mean the fact that i haven't watched the horizon zero dawn one yet is killing me because <laughs> uh, we talked you know we talked about earlier but like james i've i've said on this podcast since we started that horizon zero dawn is my favorite game of all time uh it really surprised me um with how much i love that game so uh the fact that i haven't watched a documentary has shame on me so <laughs> i have to watch that so yes but uh for sure um how cool i mean how cool right like if this is we're living in a world now where we get these things that we would have never got 10 years ago yeah. five years ago yeah i'm really really interested in this one just because when you think of i watched because i'm such a nerd i watched Corey barlog's presentation at GDC that he did about reinventing Kratos and like what that was like. And he just talked about the game pitches that he did. And then he talked about going to E3 and playing it at E3 and all of those things. And just hearing all of the stuff that he talked about then and like in that presentation and watching all the videos and the behind the scenes stuff and just watching the video of him like when the review scores came out and all of that stuff really makes me interested I feel like making this game was really, really, really hard. And not that I want to see people being miserable, but I do think, I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of the progression and, and, and what 
what was there points where they're like we're never gonna be able to do this to up to oh here's the success that we had to you know at that time they had a project canceled at the studio like there was a lot of other things that happened there during the making of that game uh, so i'm just very interested in how transparent they're going to be about those things especially since sony's the one who's making the documentary yeah so i'm i'm in you know me and my love for documentaries i'm totally in it's contagious. So, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, sticky, sticking with the uh, Sony train, you know, as I am wont to do, uh, The Last of Us 2 looks like they have finished shooting mocap. Mm-hmm. So, motion capture looks like it has wrapped for The Last of Us 2, thanks to a whole bunch of tweets and pictures from the studio, from Neil Druckmann, from all of those people. So that in and of itself is not a huge story in the sense of, well, I mean, it is to a degree, but here's the real question I have for you both. Number one, and this is the first one's going to be kind of be for you, James. And then number two will be for both of you. Number one, James, are you a fan of the last of us? Last of us is my, is my favorite game of all time. All so, right. So yes, I am for sure. I was waiting for you. Yeah, it's my favorite game of all time. So no, I'm not. But yeah. So <laughs> right. Yes. Number two question then: the much hotly debated topic is this game coming out in 2019? What a good question, Kyle. I was wondering how long it takes to finish a game after mocap just ended, and I'm gonna go ahead and say no, it does not come out <laughs> in this year because that's insane. <laughs> People. They've been talking and people have been speculating for a year that it was going to come out in 2019. It's almost May. They just finished mocap. If you want to talk about a crunch for a studio to finish a game, that would be an interesting documentary if this game came out in 2019. <laughs> James, what say you? Is this game coming out this year? I'm going to say no also. I mean, to me, I, I know that they've been having a ton of like media about the game. They've showed a lot of trailers and previews and stuff, but like, I just don't think we've seen like enough of it to feel like it's going to be imminent, like a holiday release or something like that. I think we'd have seen more by now, in my opinion. I'm no insider, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> according to Josh, we saw a whole bunch of fake lying gameplay. Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that stuff, like if that was real, I swear that game is good. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm not saying it's not, but I'm just saying like that's blew my mind with the hiding and the animation shifting like the animations were so dynamic with all the different like moves she was doing and the blocking and like if that was all real time like oh my gosh i cannot wait it would have to be Um, crazy right it would be incredible if it looked that good kyle go ahead call james a liar i'm not calling james a liar at all that means i'm not a liar boom so here's my question for you guys like and, and i'm a big fan of the original game like are you happy that they're continuing the story with with these characters Cause I'm struggling with that a little bit because like, I really liked the end of the first game. I liked how Joel and Ellie finished and I thought like, okay, yeah, we'll get another game that's in the same universe, same world, whatever. And that'll be fine. But like that these characters are coming back, like, man, that script's going to have to be good. I feel like I'm nervous that it's going to be kind of a letdown after the first game. So here was what my line always was when, after playing The Last of Us and when people talked about a sequel and going back to that world, I always said, no, I don't want a sequel. I don't want to go back to that world, at least with those characters. Like yep. if they need to do another game in that world, fine. But I don't want to do another thing with those characters. Then they did the teaser at PSX. And 
However, other people can judge me for this if they want to. I know some people on Twitter definitely would based off of things that have happened recently. When that teaser happened, I teared up a little bit. And that, was that the guitar one? Was yeah. that the, okay? Yep. Yes. And I realized at that time, I really wanted another story with them. Like, I didn't think I did until they gave me what I didn't think I wanted. Yeah. And then I really wanted it. So that's my answer. Josh, tell me how I'm wrong. Well, you know, I wouldn't do to you what you do to me. So I'll just say I, I have Last of Us Remastered sitting on my PlayStation. I've never played it. You've never played The Last of Us ever? Nope. I've, I have I watched uh, an entire playthrough of the game, but I've never played the game. I know. But this was back in my... <laughs> Just def- deafening silence from yeah. the rest of the podcast. Josh, I support you. I support you in your game choices, and you can play what you want to play. It is okay. okay. You can be honest. Uh, Listen, uh, it was. It came out at a time where one, I didn't own a PS4 or PS3. Um, I was an Xbox guy, you know. I mean, I still am, but obviously, my my game preferences have opened up. Like we could argue where my fan base lies now and it would be an interesting argument do i want to play it yeah maybe i should i keep toying on going back to mass effect andromeda and giving it a shot maybe i should just play the last of us i'm not opposed to it it's sitting on my xbox not deleted for a reason um you mean your playstation my playstation sorry (laughs) That would be impressive default. otherwise. That'd be it's just a impressive. default. Like I, de- I deleted Uncharted Lost Legacy. I still haven't played that. Like there's a lot of games I've deleted. Um, but you know, that still sits on there. So yeah. and I think it I think it holds up pretty well. I mean, I, I I kind of like some of the stealth mechanics maybe better in Horizon, you know, because it's it's many years later, you know. Yeah. So 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 I played it on the PS3. I never played the PS4 version. And like I, I, I thought it was I thought it was good. I played it very late. Um, and, but it does feel a little bit punishing on some of the cell stuff where yeah. now maybe things have progressed a little bit in terms of like, you can see footsteps and you can kind of see, you know, like there's more game elements in there. So sometimes yeah. playing so, one of those old games, you're like, holy moly, that, that creature killed me real fast. Uh, <laughs> and so it, I kind of bang my head against the systems a little bit before I got used to it. Um, but I really enjoyed it. So I'd recommend it. Here, I'm just going to wrap this up by saying here is the only reason I feel that this game might come out this year is that I don't remember if it was Uncharted 4 or I think it might have been Uncharted 4 from time that they finished mocap till the time that game released was like four or five months. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was Uncharted 4. I think so. There is a chance that it could. There have been they'll uh, show it at E3. (laughs) <laughs> there have been gobs they can't square took their their time oh. Oh. um there have been gobs and gobs of rumors that this game was going to come out this year or at least the goal was for it to come out this year yeah. and the only other reason that i think about that it might is because i have been a firm proponent that i think the next playstation is launching of like march 2020 yeah if that's not true if it's like november 2020 then it might push to early 20 early next year but I feel like if that game, if that system does launch early next year, I feel like this game has to come out this year if it's still a PS4 game. I was going to say, you don't think it'll be a dual release like Destiny did? It could. 
it's very possible, but I don't know that PlayStation necessarily wants to do that per se. They supposedly have like five uh, kind of exclusives in the hopper for PS5. So that are different than that. So we'll see. That's fair. But all right. And then some kind of roundish up news, because uh, this has been talked about on other stuff a lot. So we're kind of going to just go through this very briefly. But Microsoft has announced the much rumored all digital Xbox One S. That's yep. the way I prefer to refer to it. Uh, so, yeah, the Xbox sad. Um, <laughs> so $250, but you do get Forza Horizon 3, Minecraft and Sea of Thieves. Hmm. $250. Yeah. Who, who's this guy? Yeah. Who is this console for? <laughs> well, I could tell you who the console was supposed to be for. Who's that? Not people in the market for a $250 console. Yeah. Two days after they announced the price, there was a deal for an Xbox One S, two terabyte with two games for 215 Like, it's, I'm sorry. The pricing for this is stupid it is a huge fail on microsoft's part this console is launching at probably a hundred dollars more than it needed to be to make this the statement they wanted the statement was digital is the future we want to guide you into the digital future we're we'll give forza horizon 3 it's a great game it really is but it's a two-year-old game Minecraft, it's a 10-year-old game. And Sea of Thieves, you can get with Game Pass. <laughs> what are you doing, Microsoft? And then they said, well, it'll be, it'll always be $50 cheaper than the lowest Xbox One S. Well, no, it was immediately proven wrong two days after you, you announced that. <laughs> so I don't know what they're thinking with the price. I'll be 100% honest with you. I, I think the um, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate was a bigger announcement uh, than the Xbox Sad. It really speaks for itself by its name. Right. Okay. James, do you want a $250 all digital Xbox One S? No. <laughs> <laughs> so just to clarify, James, what consoles do you have? So so I have a, I have a PS4 and a Switch. Uh, and then I play anything that probably I'd be able to get on an Xbox. I'm usually playing on, on my PC. So everything. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that was the thing. That was the weird thing. Like I, when I was thinking, okay, do I need to buy an Xbox? It was like just everything. They, they've made that kind of like, oh, we're going to do it mm-hmm. on PC. And I was like, okay, cool. Then, then like I, I, I don't need to buy an Xbox. Um, yeah. You know, I have a controller. I can, I have an HDMI cable to my TV and it's totally fine. So, um, and then the Game Pass stuff's awesome. So yeah, I don't, currently I don't own a physical Xbox. Yeah. I, yeah. I think maybe even if they had done it at that 250 price point with like a year of Xbox Live and a year of Game Pass included. Yep. yep. Then I think, sure, that seems good. Or Forza Horizon 4 or Gears of War or something even if it's on game pass give us if right. these people that don't have an xbox yet a current game to play right even yeah. crackdown 3 they probably have a warehouse full of physical discs <laughs> that oh wait <laughs> wow poor crackdown yeah, 3. I'm, mad okay. at, I'm mad at microsoft <laughs> so well hey you know they're gonna i'm sure have an absolutely stellar showing at e3 you'll be able to see your console announcement for whatever their next step is so you'll have a great a great e3 where us sony fans will watch you have a great e3 so speaking though of the next generation uh in a really kind of odd 
weird move. PlayStation pretty much, well, not pretty much. They confirmed like, yeah, here's some specs on our next-gen console in an exclusive interview with Wired, which is just kind of odd. So, hey, there's going to be a new PlayStation. They didn't say it was called the PlayStation 5, but I'm sure that will be whenever they do the reveal event, you'll see the logo for the PlayStation 5. Uh, And I I don't think there's too much super shocking in here, right? There's a lot of cool buzzwords. They talk about ray tracing and all that good stuff. Uh, It's going to be a faster, more powerful console. That pretty much sounds like what the information they gave was. They focused a lot on their proprietary uh, solid state drive that they're putting in there that drastically reduces load times, which really seems like in a lot of ways kind of the next big thing in breaking immersion in games is loads. So I was actually really happy that that was a focus of theirs is to reduce that. Um, Can upscale to 8K supposedly, which... My, my 4k tv is happy i guess to I, I don't know like what to say about that i guess that's good but uh any thoughts james on the little bit of information we got from playstation on their next console i'm with you man i think that load times people should be attacking it aggressively because it is absolutely the biggest problem i have it gets me out of the game it stops game sessions because i'm just like i don't want to read the little text blurbs about some weapon every two minutes you know um, and they've been getting bad in the end of these console life cycles. So I think it's really smart that, that that's what they're talking about the most. And I'm with you. Maybe it's just because I'm getting old, but like the graphics look good, man. You know, like I, I'm sure I'm going to be blown away by the next generation because every time you think it's the best, but um, my eyes kind of glaze over when they start talking about teraflops and stuff like that. So this is like a concrete feature I think was really smart. Yeah. Josh thoughts on the next PlayStation. That's uh, exciting. I think upscaling is a terrible word. You, if you're trying to promote any console or any player, upscaling is not a word you want to use. 8K is nice uh, for the people who have that $10,000 TV you saw <laughs> right. once at Best Buy. Right. Um, yeah, the solid state drive is critical. Load time is, I mean, James said it, like trying to sit through Anthem, it makes you want to walk out of the room and never come back. Um, uh, and, you know, we're seeing things like that now where whatever they're doing to fix the load times, like it's not for months and after the game is released. So um, PlayStation 5 is going to have to compete with Stadia and whatever the next Xbox is. And right. I don't it doesn't sound like the PlayStation is going to be cloud based. So it could still be, but it doesn't sound like it right now. And that could be a battle they have to fight. But. The only thing that I talked about this on um, play some video games on Sunday. Um, I'm just really worried about the price and it's not just PlayStation exclusively. Um, I'm worried about the price for any console coming out next year Um, where I find myself now becoming more of a PC player Mm -hmm. uh, as I'm building a PC and upgrading. Like it's just... I'm fortunate enough to own a PlayStation, an Xbox, a Switch, a PC. I don't see me being that fortunate next year um, to own every console that comes out if they come out next year. Yeah, that's yeah, especially and I mean, you know, me, Josh, and I'm a big PSVR guy, too. And there's rumors that they're going to launch a new PSVR headset alongside the console. And if that happens, that is definitely going to force me to make some choices as far as if there's a new Xbox next year, if there's 
a new PlayStation Plus that headset. That's oof, I'm gonna have to make some choices as far as what I am doing. So, yep. um, yeah. The only other thing, uh, Mark Cerny did say, Josh, when they asked about the cloud gaming, he said something to the effect generally of, "We were one of the market leaders when it came to cloud gaming, and we'll be happy to share our vision for that with you in due time." So. A little cocky of him <laughs> well, I, like i said general something not quote not direct quote but basically we've done cloud gaming we're going to continue to do cloud sure, gaming sure. we'll share that information in the future basically so all right that's enough of this new stuff though it's very exciting we have something i think that is what i think should be on the news stands everywhere <laughs> you know josh uh-huh. we have okay. talked a ton about playing board games together haven't we we even talked about playing Fog of Love together. We That's did how badly. We want to play a board game together. I know we did talk about playing Fog of Love together, <laughs> but we live like thirteen hundred miles away from one another and have actually never met in person. No, but people might not know that I do get to see you every time we record. That's true. That's very true. But so James, not for me. <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, James, do you know of or have anything that you could recommend? That will help fix this conundrum that Josh and I are in. Just so happens, guys, that I I do. <laughs> I uh, I've been spending the last two years of my life just for you two guys oh, to yes. be able to play board games together. That was <laughs> this is the great reveal. It's just yours. I'm canceling the Kickstarter. I'm going <laughs> to ship it to you. We're done. Great. Uh, yeah. So that that's the goal. <laughs> you're you're the perfect. You guys are the perfect really the perfect test case or the perfect kind of people that I know exist out there. Cause I'm one of them too. Um, that have friends that you see and talk to and play video games together, but would love to play the other part of your hobby, which is board games. And there's just not a, a super nice way to do it today. Awesome. So as you know, James talked about at the top of the show, he there's currently a Vorpal board, which is on Kickstarter right now. And this is kind of a way for you to be able to play board games with other people who maybe aren't in the same room as you are currently. Now, we're definitely going to get to the nuts and bolts because the nuts and bolts of this are kind of amazing to me. But before we get to the nuts and bolts, what spurred this idea? What, you know, kind of encourage the development of it and the thing i really where did the name come from okay so we'll start with the, start with the name um vorpal is a word that's in the jabberwocky which is a poem by lewis carroll it's like it's like um alice through the looking glass uh kind of comes from that and the poem is just like all nonsense words like the, i think his his goal when he wrote the poem was like I'm just gonna make this poem with all make-believe words. And and Vorpal is one of the words in there. And it's talking about a blade. It's like he drew his Vorpal blade. Um, and I always have thought that was a cool word. And I was shocked that it had never been used for um, any like products before. Yeah. So in the back of my head, I was like, I got to use this for something someday. Um, it's used in Dungeons and Dragons as like a name for a sword uh, that's really good at cutting people's heads off. So that's yeah. a little, little thing. But um, I was just using it as an internal uh, sort of like key or um code name for the product for a long time and then we got to the point where we needed to like buy domains and like get logos and so then me and my co-founder mike went back and forth on slack like 500 messages just of names and everyone we checked urls were purchased trademarks already existed and it was just like eventually we got to the point where we were like i guess we're just going with vorpal you know um vorpal board it is it's a cool sounding word um and um you know, at least it has sort of a connection to tabletop gaming, not a direct connection. So 
that's where the title came from. And then what was the onus for the development of Warble Board? So this one, I mean, it was kind of a combination of um, of boredom and like selfishness. So I moved uh, across the country um, just for a family work situation. I moved from Wisconsin to New York and I had a bunch of buddies who live back in Wisconsin. And it was like right when Kickstarter board games came into my life and I was like backing these games, zombie side, they're showing up with all these miniatures and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to play this with somebody. And it was just kind of like me and my wife playing through it. And that's fine. But like, I wanted to share it with the same crew that I played with back in Wisconsin. And so I was like, all right, I'm a software engineer. I'm just going to try to like give this thing a shot, see what I see what's out there. Maybe I can get some webcams set up or something. Um, and so I started with that and it was awful. Uh, and it was awful for honestly, like a really long time. Um, and I kind of would just tinker with it on and off. Um, and then I got serious about it about 18, 18 months ago. We got, we got it to the point where it was like, wow, this thing actually kind of works. We, we went away from using webcams and started using smartphones for all the uh, board uh, photographing. So we use photos instead of video, which was kind of like a big aha moment for us. And when we get into the nuts and bolts, I can kind of talk through that. But like, um, it was it was it was a selfish thing. I just I wanted it, and uh, my friends were willing to really beta test and thank God for those guys because they sat through some terrible performance. They sat through drop sessions. They sat through just we get all set up and then the whole thing would crash. And I'd say, guys, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get it to work tonight. Um, and uh, and so, um, but yeah, I was just trying to do it for myself. And then once we actually got it working. It, we were like, wow, maybe some other people would want this. Um, and we started sort of just chatting with people to see. And it was in a state that was just so kludgy and clunked together. And then once people sort of were nodding their heads, we like, I, I, I got together with some more friends who were helping me working on it. And, um, and we really just got our heads down and started working on the, what, what, how the product is today. Very cool. So, you know, you mentioned the photos. And I think that is just an excellent transition into talking a little bit about the nuts and bolts. So what is Vorpal Board? How does it work? What What is this, I don't want to say mad scientist project, but when I look at it, the the idea that someone thought of this still kind of blows my mind. So take us through, what is the product? How does it work? Okay, so so there's there's at the very basic level, two main components of, of the system. One is... Uh, your smartphone, and it will have an app running on the smartphone. And the other is a web application. So it's essentially just like a website you could go to. And uh, you would mount the smartphone over your table. And then anything that the smartphone can see, um, will uh, it will take high, super high-res photos of the board and then stream those photos into a shared virtual space in the web application. And so anyone who's connected to the game session will see whatever you see on your tabletop. Um, and you'll be able to play locally with the pieces and move them around. And then the remote players will see what's on your tabletop in their virtual space. And they can point to it. You can see each other's mouse pointers. So you can work with the uh, interaction that way. Um, and then the last piece is this card scanning idea. So there are a lot of games you can play with just streaming the board. If you want to play Carcassonne, you could play with just streaming the board. Um, and it works totally fine. But if you want to play something that has hidden secrecy uh, of cards or, or you need to maintain secrecy, so if I give you a card, it's important that I can't see it. You need some way to give each other cards uh, without flipping them face up on the board. And sort of that final piece is this card scanning technology that we've built, which um, we have a, a scanning box that looks kind of like 
a, a desktop scanner. It just has a door that opens up on the top and any card you put in that box uh, is going to get scanned and sent into the virtual space as well to be claimed by the remote players. So if you're playing Settlers of Catan, I always call it Settlers, by the way. And everybody, you know, like in that, I, people look at me like I'm crazy. Um, this is a sidebar. But the first time I ever played it was in German because a friend of mine was in Germany and he brought it home with him and it was called Seedler. And it blew our minds. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, we never played a game like that in our whole lives. And so I've, I've always just called it Settlers and now it's just called Catan or Catan. And so... Which is I funny because it's everyone else had to say Settlers. Right. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. I think everyone I know just called it Settlers until yes. they change which whatever their yeah. decision. <laughs> right yep yeah it's not our call but but um but yeah anyway total random tangent so if you were playing a game like that it's really important that if i give you your wood or your weed or, or your rock or whatever i can't see how many you have i need to be able to steal them from you all those sorts of things so we have this card scanning technology where another smartphone if you want to be able to scan the cards you have a second uh smartphone that's sitting in the card scanner and it scans cards and components and sends them into the virtual space uh, and then all players have video chat, just like you're in like a Google Hangout or something like that, uh, all wrapped up inside this one package. Um, and so I think the easiest way to think about what we've tried to do is build a set of generalized tools that don't know anything about the game you're playing. They just are there to help you send all the data about the game you're playing to remote players in an easy way um, and let you play games it's not like we have as if you're playing like an iPad app where it knows how to count the score and it knows where the cards should go. It's really just you're playing it on your table and we're giving you a lot of tools to help your remote friends see what's going on and interact with you on the table. So the one thing that I kind of want to know the answer to mm. that you've mentioned multiple times and that you were kind enough to show Josh and I, you know, a little demo of like how this works before we started recording why pictures instead of video? Because in my mind, when I hear this idea, I'm like, oh, video makes 100% makes sense to do this with. But then it's pictures. And it seems like the fact that it's pictures is really important. Why yeah. is that? <laughs> so so there's, two, there's two reasons. So when I first started building this thing, I was like mounting webcams and I was just trying to play like Pandemic. And I was like, man, I can't play this game because I can't read any of the city names. And it was driving me up the wall. So I was buying a lot of different webcams. I was buying, you know, super widescreen, 1080p, uh, you know, high quality stuff to test out. And I never could get it so I could read anything. I'd, I'd have to have it so far away from the board to see the entire board that the the text was so small on the cities. And and I was I was getting angry about it. And I wanted to send a picture as an example to my co-founder, Mike. And I took a picture of the board and I was like, look how good it looks when I take a picture of it. Why can't we do that? And then I literally, it was like, if I was in a bathtub, I would have yelled Eureka, like the, you know, the Eureka <laughs> moment. I was like, well, why don't I just do that? Right? Like, why don't I see if I just do photos instead? All these cell phones, even old ones, bad ones, have really good cameras um, for photos. You know, you get a, a, a camera phone from five years ago, it can still take a 4,000 by 3,000 pixel photo. It can only run 720p video, but it can take really good pictures. And so then I just started messing around with that, um, with doing the photos instead of the video. And I could get infinitely better quality of the board, but just updating less frequently. And in testing, what we found is that quality trumps frame rate for board games by like a wide margin. So as long as you're able to update that thing once a second, once every couple seconds, depending on the bandwidth of the user, um, 
it's totally acceptable for the vast majority of board games. Obviously, that wouldn't work if you're playing something where you're all moving cards around real quick. But um, for the vast majority, it works. So that's that's thing number one with the photos. The other big thing is that we're trying to make this tool so you can use it even if you have like really low bandwidth um, or low internet speed, uh, because we want you know one of our use cases is people who are in rural areas. Um, who live far away from each other, who might not have a gaming group local, that sort of stuff. Um, and so doing it with the photos allows us to be way smarter with our bandwidth consumption, uh, especially when if you're like streaming 30 frames per second at 1080p or something, you're just not going to be able to use that if you don't have good internet. Um, and so this makes it so it's more accessible for more players. Very cool. Josh, what questions do you have, sir? Well, actually, I have... Um... If we're going to talk, so using Kyle and I as an example, so say Kyle and I both back for full board on Kickstarter. Uh, what what do we do to get to the point where we're playing together, and how does that work like long term? So essentially, what you would do, one of you would have to have the game. You have to have the, the physical game. I want to like state that because there are tools out there that you know you people will build in the assets, the tool or whatever, and then you can kind of play the game. But that's not what this is about. What we're really about is. You use the physical components because we kind of feel that that's valuable to the experience. Um, so one of you would have to own the game, obviously. Um, and then when you back the, the campaign, you'd get an arm and a box, uh, the arm to mount the phone, the box to scan the cards. Um, and then essentially, whoever the host is would start a game session. Um, and you, when you start a game session, you just get a six-digit code. And then that code can be given to anyone else to let them join your game session. And a thing that's important to note, and I don't even know if you, we've talked about, is that remote players don't need an account. They don't need to pay any money. It doesn't matter. You give them the code, they log in. Kind of more like a Jackbox type concept where you just sure. go to the website, type in the code, and you're in the session. You need to have a webcam, obviously, so you can see each other. Um, but we're trying to make it so the remote players have a very easy time. If you guys both backed and were both members of the system, you wouldn't. that wouldn't matter. But if you wanted to call your mom and get her to play a game with you, and you, you didn't want to have to have her sign up for a new account, you could certainly do that. Um, and then the hosts would pay a monthly fee for the service. So that's okay. the one thing that we haven't... I don't think we talked about that either. But um, the current plan is it's a $5 a month fee for the host only. Remote players are free. Uh, and then every pledge level in the Kickstarter campaign includes 12 months of hosting access. Um, and so that's how the the sort of the business model part of the system would work. Great. Cool. That's That was actually one of the questions I was going to have. So the... Um, the subscription thing, is this uh, month by month after the first year if people just want to do one month and then kind of jump back on or is it like a bundle kind of package? You know, you know we've, we've kind of gone back and forth on that. Like um, we haven't made a final decision just because it kind of felt a little bit like counting, counting our, our chickens before they were hatched. <laughs> but like um, we do want to be super flexible, right? So uh, we know because we're kind of users of the system that like if you get really into board gaming for like three months, and you want to run through a game or something like I, I don't feel like I feel like it's okay to just buy three months or buy month by month. Like we yeah. might do discounts for more months, you know, like if you buy the full year, you get five bucks off or, you know, something like that. We're not a hundred percent sure, but um, I think for sure we would let people kind of come and go as they please. Okay. Um, and then, you know, when you're not a paying member, you wouldn't be able to start a game, but obviously you'd still be able to join any games uh, that other players are playing. Great. Awesome. So one of the things I, I think about when looking at this and you talk about, you know, the host has a, you know, subscription that they're a member of. What is 
what is actually in the software itself. So if I'm the host and I am playing, you know, games that have tons of custom dice or something like that, is every game going to be an option for me? Is there going to be a list of games? How does all of that kind of work? Okay, so I I don't like to say every game because I, you know, like uh, I'm I'm a board game player. I'm a nerd kind of guy, right? And when anybody says like, oh, it works for everything, you know, then you really do start, people will needle that apart very quickly. You know, it doesn't work for dexterity mechanic games. It doesn't work for um, games where you have these big decks of cards that you need to be looking through, like stuff like that. So there are mechanics that are tougher for it to work on. Um, But we do have in the system the cards, the card scanning and component scanning concept, and then a dice building concept where you would specify what you want on each of the faces, how many faces there are, the colors of the dice, that sort of stuff. Um, and then you could save those presets. So you can go in and build zombie side dice. I think I showed you guys like zombie side dice, Imperial yeah. Assault, games like that, that kind of are non-standard D6s. Um, and so that's a tool that when you went to play, you would set up whatever the dice would look like. We're not sure if we're going to let sharing of that data exist in the system or not. Um, we have to think about that a little bit. Um, but you'd certainly be able to build your own dice for your own game sessions. And then when you start scanning in a game, let's just use an example of the game I probably play on this the most, which is Gloomhaven. Um, the cool thing about Gloomhaven is once you get everything scanned in, you, you scan in all your character cards for a given character, we let you save the game and you, you don't have to scan them in again. So then once they're all in the system and you come in and play again, you load up the game and it'll load up all the cards that you already scanned in the last time. And so for a game like Gloomhaven, that's nice because you don't have a lot of changes happen mission to mission. You might get some new gear. Um, you might get a new, you might level up and get a new card or something, but then you just have to scan in that one change. Uh, and it makes it so the the time from sit down to start playing when you're using Vorpal Board, we're trying to minimize it as to as small as we can. Uh, so it doesn't feel like, now I got to set up all this stuff and I got to do all this prep work, which, you know, is feedback we get from people talking about just trying to do all this stuff digitally is like, I got to prep it all. I got to take pictures of it. I got to upload it into systems and that sort of stuff. So we're trying to like take all those little minuscule steps out to make it feel uh, nice and fluid. Awesome. Uh, So, well, what do we have left to ask about it? I mean, uh, from other, from other playtesting that you guys did with the game and, uh, having your friends beta test basically what's is there something specific that you change based just on feedback alone from people um yeah i think that we we put more focus into um and this is gonna it might be really boring because it's like kind of a technical answer but um being able to support kind of poor like network conditions is something that is co- is complicated um, because we're essentially sending a bunch of video streams and then like the board uh, photos are coming across as well to all the different clients that are connected. And let's say you're in like a dorm environment or something and you just have like tons of people on Wi-Fi. We've we needed to build the system to be very fault tolerant in those types of environments. Um, and part of the technology that we're using lets things degrade gracefully, right? So if you're in a if you're in a video conference it can be like, well, things are looking bad here, uh, guys. We need to start (laughs) reducing. And you'll get like pixelated video and stuff like that, where um, early on in the system, we would drop calls and things like that. And like that, we it became quick, quickly clear that I'm wired in here, right? So like it it all is a perfect, you know, kind of blue sky conditions for me. But in the real world, like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So that's like a technical thing we had to shift. And the other big thing that was totally a realization for me was that 
I didn't really think of this tool as like something a lot of tabletop role-playing game players would want. I sort of thought it would be more of a, I, I just always focused on like board games. Yeah. Um, but I, I was ignorant of kind of how far the physical components of tabletop role-playing games had come in terms of like map making and miniatures and painting and like that that would be something that people would really, really want to be able to do remotely. I kind of just had it stuck in my brain that like there's a solution for it. Roll20 exists and people kind of do it digitally. Uh, but from talking to people, it sounds like, um, you know, the physical components are really important. And there are instances where people can't get together and the DM would rather draw their maps out or whatever. Um, and then this sort of a system would work. So that was something that I got from direct feedback that kind of surprised me. Um, and in hindsight, I'm like, man, what were you thinking? Like, of course, you know, like I go to these conventions and see all this awesome uh, terrain and castles and, you know, made out of plaster, you know, um, buildings and stuff. And of course that it would, it would, it would be an option to want to play with all that stuff online. But I, I, it just didn't, I didn't think about it at first. So. Yeah. I think like something we were trying to do uh, for months now is find a way to uh, be interactive with our listeners. And we were tracking, we were talking about doing like kids on bikes, the the RPG from Renegade. Yep. Because it's easy to get into. Um, Even in that situation without miniatures, I think, from what we saw earlier when you showed us verbal board, like just to give someone a physical representation of anything, I think kind of bridges that gap between what, like I have friends who do Pathfinder over Skype, yep, yep. which is fine. Um, but you're, you know, I don't, I think this adds a little bit um, like you can physically roll, well, you can roll your dice and interact with everybody if we're all playing like kids on bikes on the vorpal board, like Kyle's rolling. I see Kyle's roll. I'm rolling. You know, it's not like someone rolling off of a screen and you have to either see what they rolled or trust what they rolled. Right. Um, so I, I think, think there's, yeah, there's something about the hobby about like, we're all looking at the same thing. Yeah. You know, we're all sitting around at the table and we're all, we're talking and whatnot, but like, we're all looking down at the components and like talking about what we're seeing that, um, that I think you lose in it, you know, you lose if you're not all looking, you know, all looking at the same thing. I think that that holds power in the tabletop gaming kind of hobby is that yeah. uh, it's a shared experience kind of. Yeah, absolutely. I think it bridges the gap of a lot of, when Kyle and I started this, we, you know, we come from the place in video games podcast network and, you know, we, we were the board game guys. And, and now that we've started this, a lot of our, friends in that group have gotten more into board games but we also have friends who just can't play board games because they don't have that social structure or their significant others don't like the games or they like different styles of games so i think like this makes it more accessible uh and it to me it seems less intimidating than the the Skype factor or the Tabletopia factor or whatever, um, because I, I talked to you before we recorded. Like it's there's just something about seeing someone physically manipulate something you're interacting with. Just like how if if Kyle and I were recording our podcast every week and we didn't use a webcam, that same you lose that human element. I think in that situation, so. Um, I mean, personally, I'm excited by it. And I think that this, not only will I be able to play games with Kyle, but I'll be able to play games with 
our listeners, our other friends like Jason and Lucas and all these guys that we don't ever get to see across the country. Um, so I think at least for us, this kind of is like a nice integration between the things we're passionate about and brings them both together, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of hope. And there, like you had a good point in there about sort of seeing somebody interacting with stuff. Like, I think there's something to it being messy, you know, like I think there's something to seeing yeah. a bunch of little tiles laid around and little dice and stuff that are all kind of piled on top of each other. I, I showed you a fairly messy game board earlier, right? Where yeah. all the little pieces of wood aren't exactly correctly aligned where they're supposed to be, where that makes it, I don't know, kind of feel a little bit more authentic. Um, we were talking about playing uh, Catan Catan on uh, on Switch earlier. That's one of the things that, like, when I play those games on Switch, it kind of doesn't make them feel the same because, like, you know, the house or the cities go like right on the squares, and you never knock them over, and the roads are always in the right places. Um, so, you know, I do think there is something to that um, about kind of how to bridge that mental gap a little bit. So, hopefully, hopefully it works out, and you guys uh, get to use it. And, yeah. and that that that's now a goal on the list is <laughs> is get some board game action between Kyle and Josh going. So one of the things that I think when I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this question, when I looked at the Kickstarter and I was looking through everything, I right away the things I thought of was like, man, I have to give up my cell phone for while I'm playing board games. How am I supposed to look up rules questions? <laughs> was the first thing I went to right away. Is this what kind of self, like, do I need to use my iPhone X that I have? Like, what am I, what kind of phones do I need to make this work? What kind of technology do I need to already have or be able to get maybe reasonably priced to help maximize my experience with portable board? Sure. So there's um, the phone that you're streaming with. So the phone that's mounted over the table, it can kind of be almost anything. So we support Android all the way back to 5.0, which is, which is kind of old. Um, and then on the iOS side, I think we've we've run testing on everything from a 5C forwards. Um, so again, you know, a number of years ago in terms of technology for the card. So that's for the streaming. For the card scanning inside the box, we recommend having a slightly newer phone just because th there's more processing happening when it's trying to determine is that a card that I'm looking at? So it does some computer vision stuff to pick up the cards. Um, but even that, we run that on really old phones. It's just the effect is that it takes like an extra half a second to scan the card. So absolutely, if you're the type of person like me that doesn't like to trade their phone in when they like just hold like <laughs> hoards it in a drawer, you know, and I've just got a pile of really old, embarrassing like BlackBerry devices and stuff. Um, I, I pulled an old uh, broken screen Moto G3 that I had. Um, and uh, that's what I was using for streaming today. So like definitely you can use old phones you have or, you know, get, you know, kind of junkers off eBay um, if, if you wanted to go that route. Gotcha. So here is an idea I want to propose. Well, I'm going to ask a question first. How many people can be in a game session? So there's there's technically no limit. We don't hard limit it. Um, but once you, so, so once you, the way kind of like all the streaming works is it kind of builds like a mesh that everybody's sort of sending streams to each other. Um, and if you have kind of like a weak link in that mesh, it can start impacting kind of like a bunch of people at the same time. So as long as everybody had good internet, you can get a bunch of streams going. Um, I think the most we've had in a single game session is like maybe six. Uh, and it was, it was okay. Um, okay. so, so you could definitely experiment with it. So my initial answer is we don't 
force you to a number yet. If it turns out that like people try and it really is a disaster, maybe we'd think about it. But like, I think it's understandable that maybe the system won't run great if you try to put like 15 people into the stream or something. Okay. I don't know if Josh knew where I was going to go with this. I just imagined any social deduction game and Kyle's like, oh, can I play Blood on the Clock Tower uh, with yeah. 30 people? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, actually, where I was going is we had Peter McPherson on last oh, week yeah. Yeah. Um, of Tiny Towns. And, oh, you know, yeah. AEG says that Tiny Towns is one to unlimited. Ah, uh, yes. So when Peter was on, I asked him why they're for marketing. They hadn't created for Guinness, the largest instance of the most people playing a single or the largest group of people playing the single instance of a board game. Right. So I was like, hey, Vorpal board could be the largest virtual instance <laughs> of people playing one instance of a game. So there's some free marketing for you. It's okay. I'll just give that to you. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that probably isn't a record that they're tracking currently. So it might be one that I can I can just break every year, uh, you know, just by increasing one at a time. Yeah. You and have to go to Kinko's and print up so many boards <laughs> right. on the screen so you could do everyone's towns. It would be insane. <laughs> uh, and I actually had Peter on. I don't know when you guys talked to him, if you talked to him before or after I, I had, yeah. I, I streamed playing tiny towns on Vorpal board with him and we had a good time. Um, Cause he yeah. actually lives right near me. So we mentioned it when he was on. Cause when you, when we were talking, you sent us the links and. Oh, um, right, right, said, right. Hey, okay. hey, next week we have Vorpal board on and we talked a little bit about um his experience using it so yeah it worked it worked pretty well for that game i think um you know he he did kind of like a he kicked the crap out of me for the record um which <laughs> is like a theme every time i have a designer on they just destroy me at their game um but I mean, you um, kind of hope right yeah yeah i mean that would have i would feel like they were like letting me win if i ever won so um but um but yeah his game works pretty well and i actually really enjoy that game i don't know if you guys have played it yet but it's, i played um, it at pax unplugged yeah it's really solid i enjoyed it a lot yeah, yeah. So, uh dr finn steve steve finn's game uh and we saw well i saw um his tweet about um you get uh, about Vorpal Board the other day, and I spent some time with him at PAX Unplugged, and then we uh, Kyle reviewed Cosmic Run uh, for our podcast from him. So oh, cool! Yeah, um, I I really like I like that. I've played that um that Mining Colony version of Cosmic Run a bunch, and I enjoy it a lot. I really hope that that campaign succeeds. It looks like it's going to come right down to the wire, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Oh, I think the last question I have, I think, could maybe help our listeners a little bit as well. So obviously on the Kickstarter page, it walks you through really, really clearly like, hey, here's what you get for each pledge. And one of the things I want to let you know about your pledges is that when I walk through them, I'm like, oh, that actually, you know, get to the first one. And I was like, oh, that's super reasonably priced. That makes sense. And then I got to the next one. I'm like, oh. That's like better in every way and not a huge increase in price. And that was my continual theme the entire way that I went down that everyone was like, well, that's not that really that expensive. And that seems like a good deal for everything you're getting. So very well done as far as that goes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what is the difference really like from games that you can play that only need the arm versus those that would need the box? Kind of what is helpful or maybe understand what the difference might be in those games. So the, we we kind of envision the only arm option probably being mainly tabletop role playing game fans, because um, because with board games, invariably you're going to run into a game where you want to scan something in, and then the box is really helpful. 
Um, so really anything that you're going to be giving people cards or tokens, you're going to want the box version. You can scan things in by hand. So we, we include a scanning sheet, which is just a pink piece of cardstock. And anything you put on the pink piece of cardstock and point your phone at will get scanned into the game. Kind of like when you scan a check in your in your banking app, if you ever do that. Um, but what that means is you have to be holding the cards face up. So you've lost the secrecy concept. Um, so really, that's kind of why we added the cheapest version with just the arm, because we thought... We're going to have a lot of uh, role-playing game fans who might say, like, I don't, I don't need the box. You know, I want to play D&D with this, and I don't need to scan stuff in, so just let me buy the arm and, and do the subscription. So, so I think that's kind of the delineation between the two. And then we offer a lifetime subscription as a Kickstarter exclusive as well. So if people are interested in not paying that fee for as, as long as they use the system, they can get a lifetime option um, as part of the pledge. Very cool. Josh, I don't know if you have any other questions, but I know feel free to ask those. But also, I know we have a wonderful listener question from Splig. So feel free to tackle that as well if you like, Josh. We do. That's what I was going to hit next. Um, and James actually kind of answered it on Twitter, but I'm going to ask you it anyways for those not on the device of Twitter. Sounds good. Uh, Splig on Twitter asked, uh, this is at Dopalicious. Uh, uh, he says, could th- this integrate with something like Twitch? Can we now play board games uh, with our favorite streamers? This is awesome. I don't know if that's a question. Uh, Lots of work for the host, though. What kind of steps have you taken to minimize that workload? So the, the, the short answer is yes, you can, you can use it with Twitch. So we do some Twitch streaming ourselves of Vorpal board just to get feedback. Um, and we don't have any explicit integration yet in terms of like twit, you know, like chat plays, like people can type stuff into chat and have like the, the mouse move or whatever. But what we've done is actually have like one person be the one that shows chat their pieces and, you know, wherever they hover their mouse, they'd see the things. So whoever is streaming, um, chat will see all the components of that person's screen. I'm actually going tomorrow night. Today's Tuesday, right? Yeah. Um, tomorrow night. Oh, I shouldn't say the the date. I've dated. I've dated the podcast. Now they're going to okay. know what day you record on, <laughs> um, and um, they're going to use that against you. But yeah. um, <laughs> tomorrow night, I'm actually going on. Um, this is a, a little plug, which is early in the, before the plug session. But I'm going on um, a, a Twitch stream called uh, Tilted Table mm-hmm. uh, that does board game uh, on Twitch, and they they're actually going to have one player playing for chat, and he's going to be. They're going to be telling him what to do, and he's going to be moving the pieces around. Um, so definitely, you can do it. Um, and then it, the uh, Splig makes a good point about the local uh, hosts having a lot of work to do, and that that kind of is true. So if you are the host, you have a little bit more upkeep responsibility because the remote players are going to use their pointers to tell you what they want to do, and depending on the game, you might be the one who has to move their pawns or or you know change their layout with, with any physical pieces. Um, so I'm not going to lie and say, oh, no, that's no different. Like, definitely, if you're the host and you have three players playing remotely, like when I play Pandemic Legacy, for example, I'm the one who's just kind of like got to keep track of all the cards um, locally. So it, it adds a little bit more work, but um, but we think it's totally manageable. So if you are the alpha gamer, you are the host. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I sense, I sense, a, I sense a, a, a previous conversation about that. I've just experienced, I experienced my first alpha gamer at uh, Max Unplugged, the first okay. one. And yeah. with, uh, we were playing The Captain is Dead at um, AEG's big game night. 
And this guy was just like telling my wife, like, no, you want to do this. Ugh. No, you don't want to go there. And then he was wrong, like 80% of the time. I'm like, Ugh. you just killed everyone because you said we were supposed to do this. So oh, you man. are not allowed to move my pieces on World Board. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't want to play with that guy as the host. So <laughs> before we kind of wrap this show up here, James, anything else you want, anything else you want to tell folks about Full Board, questions you've gotten that are pretty common that you want to address, anything else you would like to clear up or get out there for folks to know? Um, you guys actually covered a bunch of the the most frequently asked questions. We do have an FAQ section on the campaign uh, itself. And I think a couple of the questions you asked are in there. Um, so nothing there. But if people want to follow us, um, you can always go and do like the remind me on the campaign. But for people who buy back a lot of Kickstarters, you don't get updates if you do that. That just yeah. reminds you 48 <laughs> hours. Uh, I wish there was a way to not back and to get updates. Uh, if anyone from Kickstarter is listening, that would be really nice. Uh, but I guess you just got to do the one dollar pledge thing or whatever. Um, so, so the other way is um, I, I'm I'm pretty active on Twitter. So everything that that we're up to is coming out on Twitter, and that's at Vorpalboard or at Vorpalboard.com. We have a mailing list, and we are pretty strict about doing once a month just updates on what features are coming in um, and where we're going to be on like what podcasts and, and streams and stuff. So if uh, if you're interested in following along, those are probably the best the best two ways. And and please, if you have questions, every once in a while, I'll see somebody make a really snarky remark on Twitter and be like, this thing's never going to work. And like, I'll go and like try to chat with them because like, I want to know, you know, like if somebody sees something and says like, that's not going to work for the games I play, like I'd, I'd really like to hear it because either I might have an answer that maybe you don't know, or like I, it's possible we haven't considered a mechanic or something that you would love to see in the system. So if you, if you're listening and you're like, this thing sounds like garbage, like I, you're the one I want to hear from the most. Uh, I like hearing people think it's cool, but I would much rather hear people who think it's going to be a failure. Um, so. Wow. I was like, be, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> I know, I know, I know this, this is a hobby where you get kind of, you know, you do get and it's probably in every hobby, you're going to have people who are going to say everything's awful and, that, and that's fine. Uh, but there's always kind of a little bit of a nugget of truth in some of these things. So, you know, you can learn from it. Well, because uh, when we were talking about Planet, I was going to ask if we could play Planet uh, on Vorpal Board. <laughs> you know, I'd have to play it, you know, because you could have maybe the local player. It would be kind of awful for the local player to have to like always be showing you like, right, no, right, turn, yeah. turn it over, turn, turn it the other way, you know. Uh, but you yeah. probably could do it. It would just be terrible. You could scan those pieces in. It you would could. Be all right on the hosts. Um, but I, I was going to say, coincidentally, today, um, um, on one of the board game groups I'm on in Facebook, James Hudson uh, shared Vorpal board. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, and got like they got a conversation going. Uh, and of course, I was like, well, hey, James is on the show and like we're recording. Do you guys have anything that you want me to ask him? And like, James Hudson and one other person liked my comment, but no, no, no questions. questions. Ah, so, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'll make sure I'm still following that thread. So I'll make sure that I let them know on Thursday that uh, you answered. So, Cause yeah, you know, you have people who are like, I don't see how this is different from Skype. And then mm -hmm. other people are like, I'm so in, I'm so excited for this. So like, I'll make sure I direct them this way and uh, towards, towards you guys. Um, yeah. That'd be really helpful because you know, you make a good point. Like sometimes I, I try to plumb the depths of like what makes the people who immediately get it and say like, I want it. 
what is it that kind of like clued them in like that they wanted it that another person when they see it is like eh, i'm not understanding why are you guys excited about this okay. um and 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 making sure that we're highlighting the stuff that like makes people excited um yeah. because it, i think it's a little bit different for everybody depending on what type of games they like so um yeah, yeah. i really appreciate that no problem all right. Well, hey, we are clearly a gaming podcast, but at the end of the show, we like to give you one recommendation, suggestion, thing that we're into currently that is helping us live a well-rounded life. This isn't going to be something that's typically game-related, but is something we're enjoying or giving our lives some meaning right now. James, as our guest, I give you the option. You can either go first if you'd like, or if you don't have a thought yet, you can let the two of us go first and you can go last. Which would you prefer? I'm going to go first. If anybody who's listening to the podcast probably could tell that I am like a nonstop talking machine. So <laughs> I, uh, I'll i go first. I, I thought of this earlier and I had kind of a profound viewing experience this week that I uh, I wanted to share with your, your, your listeners and you guys if you haven't watched it yet. I watched the movie Free Solo uh, this week. <laughs> and... I was like dumbfounded by that movie. One from like the filmmaking aspects of it and two from just those climber people. The mindset totally shook my brain up about how they exist in the world and how they think about life and what and then obviously just watching him climb that El Cap like I don't know. I, that was an experience that like of, of this year has been like big time movie experience for me. So if people haven't seen that thing see it and 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 you guys it sounds like maybe you guys have talked about it on this podcast before so <laughs> maybe yes. maybe a few times okay definitely, all right i definitely have a pass with free solo uh as i described it it's it's a story about uh probably crazy homeless yep. man who had definitely confirmed <laughs> has a broken brain who has disgusting feet but is also in the best shape of his life of anyone's life yeah, uh, who doesn't deserve the woman he's with, and she should not be with him. <laughs> but Kyle would probably tell you the story of a different movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think there's some kernels of truth in your opinions there. The the scene where they look at his brain is is like crazy, you know, so like you it, should have activity here, and you it, have nothing. <laughs> right, right, you know, and then it went. Well, should we worry about spoilers? Because like, I think everybody knows he lives, right? Yeah, yeah. We, okay, we right. Every, everybody knows he lives. But like, when he's climbing up the mountain and he keeps looking at the drone and kind of like smiling at it, like, yeah, I did it. Like, I'm just thinking, like, this guy's three thousand feet up on a sheer rock face, and he's. It looks like he's having a good time, you know, yeah. which. Man, I it just it could I could not believe it. I couldn't so believe it. That, like the pink unicorn thing. You were just up on yeah. Like <laughs> <Right. laughs> <Hey>, what? <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't believe that it was a real movie that got made. You know, like it's just that somebody actually filmed that thing is so crazy. Like you know, what if he'd fallen off the mountain? Would they have like released the movie? Well, yeah, I, think, I think they would have. <laughs> and I think that's one of the things. I adore this movie. I'm a huge documentary fan. I watch okay. documentaries constantly. Uh, I think one of the things that's interesting is they do kind of address that in the movie, right? Of his friends who are like, I have to come to terms with the fact that I might film my friend falling to death. <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about it. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, absolutely nothing I can do about it. I think my favorite line or like gist from that entire movie, though, is when he talks about basically being like, imagine being an Olympian and you win the gold or you right. die. Right, right. Those are the two options. You yeah. win or you die. 
And yep. that is his his life being the best of the best. But if you don't win this one, you're dead. And just to watch him fail the thing so many times where it's like he was failing it like 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. And it's so like, yeah. okay, well, that, well, that section is just like a coin flip for death, you know? And it's like, you've already been climbing for like three hours. Like everything about that whole scenario is so insane, especially given that he constructed it himself. Yeah, you know, this, right. is a, this is something he decided to do, right? Like, I don't know. I couldn't. It's so amazing that that's a thing that's that was put on film to me. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it, there is another movie called The Don Wall, okay. which is on Netflix and has actually some of the same climbers, not um, Alex Honnold, the guy who not the main guy, right, uh, yeah. but some of the other people who helped him um, oh, okay, cool. are in that. And then there's a movie called Meru, which is by the same filmmakers who made Free Solo. It was their first movie. And that okay. one is actually ridiculous like really ridiculous as well okay so cool. if you enjoyed free solo highly recommend those two as well i will check them both out and and i it's sadly from a news i think one of those guys actually died this week I one of the film one of the climber filmmaker guys yeah. in that yeah. accident on some kind of like icy mountaintop mm-hmm. or something so a bummer but yeah. all right oh man you have no idea like how good that made my soul <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> Yeah, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I see you both like laughing, and I'm like, yeah. oh no, I, what if I stepped in here? Oh, that's great. Uh, Josh, your recommendation Hi. for Well Rounded Life. Hey, look, it's another documentary. Uh, I started watching uh, Our Planet on Netflix. It's it's like Netflix's Planet Earth. Uh, they they even went and got David Attenborough to narrate it. Um, I don't know how many episodes it is, they're about an hour each. And I mean, I can't get enough of nature documentaries this one um i've only watched the first episode it seems to have a little bit of a a more of a tone about global warming and what we're doing to uh the environment um i get a little i get a little nervous because we were watching a scene where a pack of uh wolves were hunting and my two-year-old son decided to walk into uh, he got up from his nap and he walked into the living room and I'm like, look, please. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is nature at work. I'm like, please don't kill something in front of him. <laughs> uh, like, so, you know, in that instance, we we all got by like without any violence, but um, it's, it's another stunning um, documentary. They get into um, the polar ice caps a little bit near the end of the first episode. Uh, it's just, it's an easy recommendation if you're a nature uh, lover, if you've liked like Blue Planet or Planet Earth or um, any of those series, like uh, I'm just infatuated with. Um, and yeah, and there's some there's some uh, education in there mixed in. It's not heavy handed, so you can kind of watch it and enjoy uh, what you're seeing at the same time. So I would say check it out, at least the first episode, you kind of get your feet wet and see if you like it very cool uh my recommendation is actually a little game related but it's a kind of a is a vlog uh so jane as listeners will know i'm a huge fan of overwatch and the overwatch league uh talk about them probably far too much but jane who is one of the assistant coaches for the dallas fuel before he became an assistant coach was a pretty prolific streamer on twitch and did a lot of coaching vods and things like that he decided to do basically a vlog of a weekend where they had two games um, so it's called A Day with Dallas Fuel Behind the Scenes. 
And it's just him kind of walking you through what it's like to be a coach in the Overwatch League and what that is all like. And it's not going to be the most... It's definitely not the best behind-the-scenes video you're going to ever see. It's the first vlog he's ever done. He's never shot anything like this before. He obviously can't film when they're practicing and when they're scrimming and their strategies. Like He can't film any of that stuff. So it's a lot of like, I'm going to do work now. Two hours later, okay, I did work. So you lose a little bit, a little sight of some of that stuff. But just to see kind of the spectacle almost that is the arena, how all of those things work. And in some ways, just the schedule that he keeps in order to keep up all the other things that he does. He almost single-handedly is keeping alive, like tier two and tier three overwatch is pretty much alive in a thing because of the work he does independently of this job as being a coach for a team in the overwatch league, plus his responsibilities there. Like the video starts and he's like, it's 1am. I just woke up from a nap. I now need to go like look at videos and take notes for scrims that we have for these teams that we're playing. So I'm going to be up. And then the next time it's like, all right, it's 6 a.m. I've been watching videos. Now I need to make breakfast so I can go to practice. And, and like you're like, what kind of schedule does this right. person yeah, keep? Geez. So more than anything, it, it really gives an insight into the level of commitment and dedication that these folks have and to try to be as good as they can be. And, you know, when people talk about Esports, especially when people are mainstream sports fans and don't really get into or like video games that much. There's a lot of mockery and jokes and things like that that are kicked at it. And I think what this vlog does more than anything is show just how hard these people work to be as good as they can at what they do. And it's not a joke. It's not a thing that kids do for fun. This is something that's really serious and they work really hard at. And if you are slightly interested at all, the more knowledge you have of Overwatch, the more things are going to make sense because he talks very much in Overwatch League ease. So if you, you might not, if you don't play a lot of Overwatch, you're not going to understand some of the things he talks about sometimes. But just to get kind of an understanding of how those things work, I think it's worth a check out. Like I said, it's called A Day with Dallas Fuel Behind the Scenes. Uh, check it out on Jane's YouTube channel if you would like. Kyle, have you seen the Seven Days documentary on Netflix? I have, yes. So did you see the League of Legends episode? Yep. It sounded yep. very similar to that. Um, that's that's also something that I would give a high recommendation because you kind of see what these people deal with behind the scenes and, yeah. and everything like that. Yeah, and it's definitely – that's going to be a little – a little more produced. <laughs> oh, sure. But, but the same idea, like, you, you know, you don't really think about these people as in a profession. Right. So it's, it's interesting to get that insight, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Kyle, I have a question for you. Do you have yeah. a recommendation? So I've always thought it would be fascinating to watch a well-produced and not even that well-produced, but just like put together video of watching like a team shooter team practice. Do you know of anybody who has ever released that type of stuff? Because I, you know, you watch, you watch, like I've watched some of that stuff on ESPN two or whatever, like right. the Overwatch League, and like I have a hard time following because I'm like a huge player. But like 
I'm sure that they're looking at angles and figuring out positioning and stuff, yep. which I think would be fun to watch them walking around in the space talking about that. Like, okay, yeah, let's let's look from this spot and figure out how we want to set up our defense or whatever. Like, have you ever seen anybody release that type of thing? In general, the short answer is no, with uh, some small exceptions. You're not going to see teams do that, right? right? Like the Overwatch League teams or other professional teams aren't going to do that because that's their strategies. That's right. like what they're paying people to do. But Jane, part of the way that Jane got hired was that he did that with individuals on Twitch. Okay. So people would come into games and he'd be like, okay. And he would like have uh DigiPen up and he'd be like drawing crude drawings on his Twitch stream. Cool. And he'd be like drawing like, okay, you're angled here. Like where your, where's your next wall? Like where's your protection? Like what's your path through here? Like why are you making the decisions you're doing? And he would walk people through everything, like all of that stuff. So yeah. You can find that on Twitch. Unfortunately, like I said, Jane was the biggest one who was doing it. There are some smaller former coaches who do it a little bit right now. The hard part is, is that it's going to be hard to find things right now because like Overwatch Contenders, which is like the tier two scene right below Overwatch League and Overwatch League are both in season right now. Got it. So none of those coaches are really doing that in their spare time. Right. If you go look at Jane's old videos on his Twitch, though, absolutely. Like you'll have, it'll be like, coaching a bronze like you know reinhardt main tank and like so you can get like very specific like or even on his youtube channel like he he will save a lot of them on his youtube as well so you can go find them um but there's not a lot of from a whole team perspective walking through that stuff just because they don't want to give away strats yeah it's a bummer because i think it would be neat to listen to to listen to that conversation i i used to really enjoy going on reddit i played a lot of destiny and watching people map out destiny boards and mm -hmm. say like this is where you need to be if you have these guns here's the positions you should take and like right. they do like the top down map kind of thing right and um and I, i'm not anywhere near as good to actually do a lot of the things that they'd say but at least i would know why i was getting crushed so badly <laughs> yeah well and that's one of the things that's so interesting because they'll talk about like okay here's what are like they'll talk about like map rotations and they'll talk about hero picks and counter picks but then it gets down to the idea of like okay if they're flex dps or if their projectile dps is on this character who is their flex pick not their usual pick then this other character on our this person on our team is going to go to you know x character but right. if that other player is on this character then this other person on our team is switching to this i mean it gets so in the minutia and dirt of like if you're into it like i am it's like oh this is so fascinating if you're not into it you're like this doesn't make any sense at all <laughs> yeah, it does, but it but it does add some cool stakes to when you're watching it on TV. You know, when you actually yeah. kind of know that stuff, and you're like, "Oh man, they're drafting," and it's like they're all thinking through that and trying to figure out how to counter each other. Like, yeah. it's the same thing like watching any sport. If you don't know anything about the sport, it's not entertaining. Yeah, know? like so, I I I do kind of roll my eyes at the traditional sport people who kind of complain <laughs> about esports. It's like, you know, your sport kind of is pretty boring too. If, if, <laughs> if, 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 if you didn't know anything about it and I'm a huge track and field fan. So I like, I like the, like the most boring sport. you could like, so. Well, I'm a huge cycling fan. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so, so, like you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's okay. Not a big deal. We all have the things that we like. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, James Lang, thanks so much so for being so generous with your time and sticking with us for this pretty lengthy podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to plug before we wrap the show up? I don't think so. I think, you know, I, I really enjoyed talking with you guys. Um, I enjoy your guys' podcast. I like how varied it is. Um, and, and I think you can mix it up smartly with a lot of different topics. So 
there's some end of the show feedback for you guys. I had a great time. So thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you, sir. You are welcome back at any time. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up, sir? Thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, in addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with VG, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with VG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, we are still waiting for our fan fiction to fill up that inbox at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We know it's on the way. We do. We tag our stuff with hashtag boardwithvg. So please use that hashtag. Um, we love it when we get updates from you guys, even if it's like Paul doing his daily walks and he hashtags boardwithvg. Uh, it's nice to know the community is getting involved. Uh, whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to, to we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our standalone board with video games feed. Uh, yeah, we're on all the things: Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. I don't know what you Google people use. Pocket Cast. <laughs> We're out there. You can find us. Uh, you can find me on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network as Why So Serious. That's S I R R I U S. Kyle, where can they find you? You can find me at all of the places Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C Y C O C R O S S. Uh, as a brief reminder, next week we will give the, the final results of Meta Spring. Because Mortal Kombat 11 is out as we record. Days Gone will be out shortly after this publishes. That the review yeah. should be out about when this comes out. So People yes. need to chill out on my Mortal Kombat 11 <laughs> reviews. There's no microtransactions that affect game. So, <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, so Metaspring will wrap up. So next week you will hear the results of that. Again, a big thank you to James Lang for joining us this week. And be sure to check out Vorble Board on Kickstarter. It seemed very awesome. Um, we would love to have you back with, you know, I'm, I'm pretty positive I'm going to back. So this is going to be great. Uh, maybe you could play some games with Josh and myself if you do, or even if you don't, because I'm going to. So it's going to work out wonderful. Uh, <laughs> if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.